your right, my left. Uh, if you turn in your Bibles to Romans chapter 8, 31 through 39, if you're using a pew Bible, it's page 1003, 1003. If you're using your own Bible, uh, go to the middle, hang a right, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, and the letters to the Romans, and then you're there. Acts, uh, excuse me, Romans chapter 8, verse 31 through 39. Today, as we've, uh, we're coming together today, we just want to deal with, there's a lot of heavy things that's been in the news and a lot of things that, uh, that I've struggled walking through in my own mind that I think we all need to walk through. There's unexpected things that happen in our life, unexpected times, news that we didn't know we were going to get, bad things that happen in the world. Uh, but I think the Bible tells us and helps us see that there are hope for these times. So here in Romans chapter 8, 31 through 39, I hope that we could join together and learn how we might have this hope. Beginning in verse 31, we'll read along together. What then are we to say about these things? If God is for us, who is against us? He did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will he not also with him grant us everything? Who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He also is at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger of so or sword, as it is written, because of you, we are being put to death all day long. We are counted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let us pray. God, through your perfect word, would you give us faith? Through your inspired words, would you change our hearts? Through your true words, would you give us hope? In Jesus' name, amen. There's a guy named Pete who had been hired for his first day uh, for first couple weeks before to be a switch man on the railroad. And uh, he had been through training, and it was his first day that he was going to be alone by himself. And so his supervisor wanted to make sure he had all the, the plans down and that he could handle this job by himself. So uh, the supervisor showed up and said, Pete, I'm here to make sure that you know what you're doing and that we can trust you here. We're going to make sure everything, so I'm just going to kind of run through a list to make sure that you're okay, you feel comfortable. So he said, okay, Pete, here's the situation. You have a, a train coming from the north and you've got a train coming from the south. They're on the same track. What are you going to do? Pete says, well, I'm going to turn this lever right here. He said, great. But Pete, what happens if that switch doesn't work. They said, I'm going to go down to the switch that's near the track, and I'm going to throw that switch 
right supervisor said, now, what happens if that switch doesn't work? He says, well, I'm going to come back up here, and I'm going to call dispatch and tell them to stop both of the trains. He said, you're right, but what happens if the, if the phone's not working? Pete, what do you do next? He said, well, um, Pete just started trying to figure this out. Oh, oh, there's a gas station across the street. I'm going to run across the street, ask to use their phone, and I'm going to get them, uh, call dispatch and get them to stop the trains. He said, what if their phone isn't working? Pete thought for a minute. He said, hmm, I'm going to go get Uncle Joe. And supervisor said, well, why would you, what, why would you go get Uncle Joe? What, what's Uncle Joe going to do? Pete said, nothing, but he's never seen a train wreck before. <laughs> Life feels like a train wreck from time to time. Something we get a phone call, unexpected news, we lose a job. Something happens and we don't know how to handle it or what's the answer. Uh, you know, the last couple of weeks we've, you know, in the news, months, we've seen hurricanes slam and destroy people. The floods that have wiped away everything that they have. We've seen a shooting, a mass shooting in Las Vegas and untold death. We've seen things happen, and, and it makes us pause because how do we deal with things like this when it happens? And maybe you're not experiencing a hurricane, or maybe you're not uh, experiencing something that's of national importance, but to you, right now or sometime, you're going to experience something that's unexpected, that's life-shaking, that's earthquaking in your own mind. And the question that we come to is, well, how do we know we can get through it? What are we going to do? Is God there? How do these bad things happen? All these questions just start rolling through our minds. Well, I hope that you hear today, and what I hope that we together could say, is that even in the most unexpected times, we always have hope. If we have faith in Jesus Christ, if we've been born again, we can have hope through anything that happens in life. Today, as we look at the scriptures together, we see that there's promises being made to us, that there is hope for no matter what calamity comes up. And my prayer is today that as we walk through this together, that there are, are four promises that we will reach, grab to, and hold on to that will strengthen us when unexpected trouble comes. So here are these things. What when unexpected trouble comes, number one, God provides for us. When something is happening and your life is being shaken, you don't need to lose hope, but instead respond by saying this, or thinking this, or praying this, or meditating on this, that God provides for us. Verse 31 says this, what then are we to say about these things? Now, what are these things? Uh, up at verse 18, Paul says to us that, uh, that uh, 
For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed in us. Now, for the next several verses, Paul is saying that we know suffering will happen, but whatever suffering, trials, problems happen, it is minuscule when we compare it to the glory of eternity that awaits us in Christ Jesus. And he goes through all those things. So then he lands here in verse 31 and said, then what are we to say of these things? What should we say? What should be our heart's cry about these things? Well, here it is. If God is for us, who, who is against us? If If God is for us in this great way, why should anything that happens in this world, that happens in our life, trouble us? Because if God is for us, then who can be against us? We can be hopeful. We can have faith because God will provide for us. This is the story of what Jesus tells his disciples that we are to know that God is a generous God, that God loves his children, that God will take care of his people, that even in the darkest tragedy that God will provide. Matthew 6, 31 through 34, Jesus says this to us. So don't you worry saying, what will we eat or what will we drink or what will we wear? For the Gentiles eagerly seek these things and your heavenly father knows that you need them. So he's saying he knows you need these. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be provided for you. Therefore, don't worry about tomorrow, because tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. When things happen, we are, we are tricked to want to think that God is not there, that God will not take care of us. But Jesus himself says God will provide. Whenever you see a 911 responder, EMT, firefighter, police officer, uh, I don't know about you, but I kind of tense up a little bit because it usually means something's wrong. And maybe it's something's wrong with for someone else. Uh, Maybe something's wrong with you. Or maybe if you're speeding, you see a police officer, you know you've done something wrong. But it changed a couple years ago. Sarah and I, we were smelling something in our house, and we didn't know where it was coming from. We were afraid something was on fire, something was damaging that could destroy our house and, and, and possibly us. And so we called. You know what's interesting was when I saw the responders, the firefighters then, I wasn't fearful I knew they were here to help. I knew they were going to take care of us. I knew whatever they were going to say or whatever it was going to do, it was going to be okay. You know, we need to be reminded about that, that when tragedy is happening, that we remember God will take care of us. God will provide for us. And it says here in verse 32, that how do we know that God will take care of us? Because he did not even spare his own son, but offered him up for us all. How will he not also grant us everything? How do we know that God will provide? 
Maybe not the way that we want, maybe not the thing that we dream, but what we need, God will provide for us. Why do we know this? Why can we be sure of this? Because God provided our greatest need from salvation from our sins. And he didn't just make a new rule. He didn't just expunge the record, just said, okay, I'll just forgive you. No, it was a great cost of him to do this. He gave up his son to provide for forgiveness of sins. If God will provide in this way, will he not provide for us in the ways that we need him? God loves us. And in the midst of unexpected times, he will provide for us. Secondly, when unexpected trouble comes, God defends us. In verse 33, who can bring an accusation against God's elect? God is the one who justifies. This verse and the next one, who will bring accusation against us? Who will condemn us in the next verse? Uh, this it brings to imagination of the court of law. Paul's argument here is that people may accuse us or bring things against us, but these allegations cannot be sustained. In our lives, we might have people say false things against us or accuse us of things that we have done in our past, but Paul says these things cannot stand. They deflect like arrows off a shield. Why? Because God has his people and he justifies us. Here, who can bring an accusation against God's elect? Who can bring up something against accuse God's people? No one. Because God has justified us. It says. What does that mean? Well, it means that we are justified, we are forgiven, we are His, we are His children. If God justifies us and we are His people, then no one can accuse us because we are His. We were separated by our sin, but now we are adopted in Christ. We were uh, an enemy of God, but now we're a child of God. In this, there is no accusation that will stand against us as his people. So who does accuse us? Well, many people, many things. We are, our own conscience accuses us. We, we are reminded of things in our past that we, uh, that we know that we have done and Satan uses that to say that you're, you're not loving, you're, you're lovely, you're not worthy. It drifts into shame, and so we feel like that we can't go on. Satan himself is, uh, the word for Satan is really accuser, deceiver of minds. He deceives us to think that, that we are not worth it, that God is not there, that he is not faithful. But we read in the Bible something differently. We see that God is faithful, that He is loving. We have countless human enemies that will accuse us to point the finger. And then eventually what happens to us is we think, well, there must be something wrong a bit about me. There's something wrong with me. Not everybody's marriage is falling apart. There must be something wrong with me. The things that I've done in my past, there's, there's something wrong with me. I can't go on. God would never love me. God would never 
trust me. God would never care for me. But that's just Satan twisting the words of God. Because there can be no accusation against someone who has been born of God, who has been trusted Christ for their Savior, someone who has been born again. We know we are children. There can be no accusation that stands against us, that can stand against God. God is defending us because He is faithful. So in the midst of unexpected times, we might think that we're unlovely or we're unworthy of all these things that trick us to not trust God, but the Scriptures say, no, He is defending us. Don't be tricked. Thirdly, we see when unexpected trouble comes, Christ or God intercedes for us. Verse 34, who can bring an accusation against, excuse me, verse 34, who is the one... uh, who condemns? Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more has been raised. He is also at the right hand of God and intercedes for us. Many times in tragedy, we feel hopeless. And again, in this courtroom scene, we see that Paul is using this word so that we could, we could see that there are people who are condemning us. You know, sometimes in the midst of tragedy, we feel like that Someone's treating us unfairly here. That we did not deserve this. There's something that is, that is not right here. We feel like during difficult times that, that we stand alone. And that we stand as though that someone is, that God is far from us. But if we look here, what Paul is reminding us, that we have the one who died for our sins We have the one who has been raised from the dead. We have the one who is now risen and is at the right hand of the Father who stands in our stead. That those of us who know, yes, our problem is me, the problem is the sin in my life. I need someone to take care of my sin. I need a Savior. I need Jesus Christ. Jesus, who died for me, who has risen again, that I, by faith, have received this gift of salvation. This Christ, he is my advocate. He is interceding for me. And in this great cosmic courtroom, when accusations are placed against me, when people come against me, it is Christ who stands and says, oh, no, 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 this one is mine. This one is mine. And as we go through unexpected trouble, we know Christ is interceding for us. The Bible goes more than that because it's not just in the cosmic realm. We have... We have our prayers heard. We have someone interceding with us as we go through tragedy and and struggle. Earlier, Paul says in Romans chapter 8, verse 26, in the same way, the Spirit also helps in our weakness because we don't know what to pray for as we should. But the Spirit himself intercedes with us with unspoken groanings. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. You know, I don't know about you, but when things happen, sometimes I don't even really know what I'm supposed to pray. I know, God, you're using this. I know you're shaping me. I know these things are happening, but I really don't know what I'm supposed to pray. Well, here's this wonderful hope that you pray the Holy Spirit 
is intervening for you. We've got Christ, our advocate, sitting at the right hand of the Father, praying for our behalf. But friends, also knowing that we have brothers and sisters in Christ who are praying to the Father for us when we go through these trials and troubles. And this is the privilege and the honor as a, as a believer and a child of God and a church member to carry one another's burdens in prayer. So when we're going through unexpected times, it is good to know that God is interceding for us. The Holy Spirit is praying for us, that Christ is pleading to the Father, and our brothers and sisters are lifting us up to God. And so when we go through unexpected times, we know that people are praying for us. So we can't lose hope because we have people standing for us. There's a little granddaughter who was kneeled beside her bed and her grandfather slipped into the room and heard her praying the alphabet just in little hushed tones. A, B, C. She just kept praying until she was done and she said, Amen. And the grandfather came in the room and said, Honey, why were you praying the alphabet? She said, well, I didn't really know what to say, so I figured if I just prayed the alphabet, God would put all those letters together and pray the way I should have. You know, when we're going through unexpected times, we have someone praying for us. God himself. We cannot fear. We're not alone. Fourthly and finally, when unexpected trouble comes, we can't be separated from God's love. We can't be separated from God's love. Who can separate us from the love of Christ? Can affliction or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? I mean, look at this list as it starts out. Paul is giving us some very earthly, physical, real things that, that could cause us to shrink back from God or to fall away from God or to not trust in God. I mean, it could be affliction. Uh, it could be pain and suffering. It could be distress. It could be physical ailments, it could be persecution by someone else, or even some have persecution within their own family, famine, poorness, nakedness, danger, or sword. But in verse 37, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Paul, without any doubt, gives us hope that knowing no matter how bad life gets, we cannot be separated from his love. To be separated here, the original word means to amputate. Yes, we are separated by our sin. We are cut off from God. But if we are born again and brought into the family of God, there is nothing that can take us from the hand of God. There is nothing that can take us from the love of God. There is nothing that can cut us off from God. And look at this list. Neither death nor life, 
things that happen in our life. Not angels, not even supernatural beings can take us from the love of God. Nor things present, the struggle that you feel right now, or things to come. Friends, we know that there's trouble that's around the corner. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God through Christ Jesus our Lord. But honestly, we all have that time when we feel like God's not there, that we feel as we're separated from Him. We know that sin causes this, and so there could be it's a cause for us to stop and say, what sin is going on right now that we need to crucify, confess, and give to God? Because if you're feeling separated from God, uh, you are probably allowing sin to linger, and it's keeping you from a close, intimate relationship with God. And you need to go back to Him. You know, people say, well, I don't, you know, I don't share the gospel or I don't do a lot of different things because of, you know, fear or these things. Look, the reason why we don't do these things is because we don't love God. We're not close to Him. We're allowing sin to be close. If you're allowing sin, you're not going to pray. If you're allowing sin to linger, you're not going to have hope in God. If you allow sin to stay, you're not going to go around sharing the gospel. That's not going to be the first thing on your mind. You're just going to be cut off. So sin could be that thing. But we know that even in the midst of this pain, suffering, trial, whatever this is, that we know that Christ, that God still loves us. Paul could personally attest that he's faced persecution and illness and all of these things. And though times we feel that we're distant from God, we know and trust that God is using it for His glory, for our good. Sometimes He's using these times to prune us, to mold us, to make us more look like Jesus, so that we would not trust in our sinful selves, but we would trust in Him more, love Him more, want Him more. And unfortunately, many times when we feel like we're alone, we run from God. But instead, friends, we should run towards God because he still loves us. Tim Keller says that God puts you through difficult situations that you would not choose for yourself so that he can form in you what you could not accomplish on your own. Friends, there are times that we will suffer. There are times that there will be pain. But here is one thing that we know, that God will always love us. A little boy, really small, found a little snail on a rock, and he tried everything he could, but his little fingers wasn't, couldn't get that snail off the rock. Later on, his mom and dad were together. He prayed, God, I pray that you stick to me as that snail stuck to that rock. That little boy's prayers are always answered because Christ, God, loves us. No cancer, no sadness, no sin, no person can separate us from God. And friends, that should give us hope. Maybe today, 
If you're sitting here and you say, well, that sounds all good. That sounds decent, and that sounds maybe even a way that you would say, boy, that's wishful thinking. Well, to me, friends, it's not wishful thinking. Because I have hope in God because of two things that cannot be changed. That God himself is sovereign and working all things to his glory. That he is moving history and plans and seasons and times and events that he would gain the glory. That he is working all things so that one day he will redeem his people back to him. That we would... be with him forever in eternity in heaven. This God never changes and never will. And the second reason is because God sent Jesus and he died for me. You see, the problem that we find in Scripture is that, that our problem is, is that sin has separated. Whether we lie, we cheat, we, we do something, we have sinned against God, that we are separated from Him. But the worst news of the Scripture is this. There's nothing we can do about it. Many other religions of the world would say that they have a way to get to salvation, that we could do it. Get our list here, get it stamped, and then you can take care of this sin problem that you have. You know, you could go to a Buddhist and find the eightfold path and try to work your way to God. You, you would say, or, or you could be a Muslim and go and it's, they have a five list, uh, almsgiving and, and prayers and all these things, that if you do these things. But here's the problem with, with their logic, that, that if we fail in one way, in any way, we failed. We failed. So how do we know that we have hope? The only way we have hope is that someone has done it for us. To perfection. That God sent his son Jesus Christ, who lived a perfect life, but instead was nailed to the cross. He died, even though, yes, he was perfect, he committed no sin. He died so that the wrath of God, the judgment of sin, would be satisfied. And the great news is this that there's nothing we can do to get it, it's just a gift. If you just trust Christ, if we just receive by faith this gift, that we repent, turn from our sins, and believe that Christ is who he said he is, that he is the Son of God, that he died a perfect death, that he was buried and rose again, and now he sits with the Father in heaven and will come back and get us that. If we believe that Jesus, the Son of God, is the only way for us to salvation, then we will be saved. That's it. So maybe you're here today and you've gone through life through unexpected times not knowing how you're going to get through. It might be because you don't have Jesus Christ. You know, there's a story that a man was, takes a boat out into the sea and he was trained by uh, a local salesman what to do in case there's a storm. And it happened. It happened that he did that, that he, that he went out. He was too far to, out to, to get back to shore and so he just did what he was told he dropped four anchors at each corner and knew that the anchors would at least hold him and pray that's all he did friends the way that we know that we have hope 
is because we have an anchor in Jesus Christ. So maybe today the most important thing that you think through is if you know that you're born again through Jesus Christ. The rest of us need to think about maybe a struggle that we're going through, maybe a struggle through now or in the past or prayerfully going forward, that we put faith in God and allow him to take care of tomorrow. And maybe here, you're here today and you're an invitation of a friend. We talked earlier about brothers and sisters praying for one another. I mean, that's the benefit of being with a church family because we know people are praying for us. And so maybe you're here today, you need to, you're thinking through your life, and you're thinking, I know that I don't have community that I can rely on. I know that I don't have a group that I can lean on, and I don't think I have anyone praying for me. Maybe you should consider coming back to church. Maybe you should come back to be regularly attending a church that you are meeting with God and his people regularly. That you're encouraged by him, that you are steadfast in your faith because of what he is doing amongst his people. That he is loving you through his people. That he is showing the gospel to you weekly and that you're singing the gospel verbally. That you're together with other believers so that you can stay faithful and have hope during unexpected times. Or maybe you could, you're saying, Pastor, I, I definitely know that I need to join up with brothers and sisters in Christ because I need hope during unexpected times. Whatever God is calling you to do, I want you to, to be faithful that during these unexpected times in life, you don't have to fear. You have hope in God. If you close your eyes for me for just a minute, I want you to think through what is it that God's telling you today? That you have more faith in Him? That you trust Him during things in life? That you're not trusting in yourself, or, but you're trusting in Him? Maybe you're, God's called you here today that to redirect your mind and your focus on what he does for you and what he has done for you or maybe you're here today that you need to ask Christ to come to your life that you should by faith reach out you could just pray a simple prayer right now just to to in a way reach out and pray and say God I love you I'm sorry for my sin I need your son, Jesus Christ, to be my Savior. I'm going to repent and turn from my ways of sin and follow him. I need your son, Jesus. I trust who he says he is, and I trust him now, my Savior and Lord. If you believe that, if you really think that, if you, that's going to be your prayer moving forward, that prayer that you receive faith today, Maybe you need to talk to someone, shore that up, talk about what that means, what it looks like to be saved. What does it mean to respond to the gospel? Whatever that is, I hope that you would not leave the call of Christ in the gospel, but instead listen to what he's calling to you. Trust in me. Trust in Jesus. Let me pray this morning. God, we love you. 
We're thankful that you don't leave us alone during unexpected times. We know that our anchor is in Christ. And we pray right now that you would restore our faith, encourage our hope, and make us to be steadfast looking at you for our lives. We pray, God, that there's someone here that does not know you, that today is the day of their salvation, that you would draw them to yourself, and that you would make them your child. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.